Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to Ireland's Birth Stories, a podcast created for women to share their experiences with pregnancy and birth. My name is Cora Gernon and I've created this space to enable women to share their experiences from start to finish without feeling shy about the detail. If you would like to support the podcast, you can do so through Patreon. I have attached the link on the website. So if you just visit the website, irelandsbirthstories.ie, you can then find the Patreon link there. Thank you to those that have. So before we dive into this week's episode, I just want to mention the other side of the door journal. Laura Doyle and Sarah Tobin have created a baby loss journal that will hopefully bring comfort at one of the worst times in a parent's life. Born from their own losses, this journal is a safe space to start and aid the healing journey with practical and emotional advice and plenty of space to write your own baby story. This is for parents who have lost a baby at any stage and can be used immediately after loss or years later. Part of the reason for this journal is to create a safe space for parents and their thoughts. It is to share stories of loss so you know that you are not alone. Perhaps it can provide comfort in any learnings or wisdom, these stories in part. The journal includes thoughts, advice and experience from both and from many others to aid bereaved parents on this journey of recovery, wherever that takes them. They provided over a thousand journals to Faircon to be distributed in their memory boxes across Ireland and are also working with Miscarriage Association of Ireland to provide them some too. They're also selling copies online to enable them to keep printing the journals. I purchased one when they first kind of launched them and it only arrived the other day. So I'm going to sit down on my own, kind of slotted in some time for myself the weekend to have a good read through and just use it myself. So it's something that I'm really looking forward to. So I will link the website where you can buy one of the journals, if not for you, maybe for a friend or a family member who you know will benefit from it. So this week's episode, I chat to Sinead and she talks me through her two pregnancies and births. So Sinead was induced at about the 37 week mark. And the reason she was induced was because her little boy was showing up small on one of her scans. So she only was given 24 hours notice. So she was a little bit anxious um, coming up to his arrival. So she kept her circle small and told very few people, which I think is always nice when um, an expecting woman does that. So she's not too interrupted. And then she talks about her second experience, which she decided to have a home birth. Um, she had Angela Cotter as her home birth midwife and she shares a really gorgeous experience. She really wanted to feel her body and feel what her body naturally does when she was in labour and she got just that. So although she had this gorgeous setup in the sitting room, she just gravitated towards the bathroom to start labouring heavy and um, and she goes into all of the details surrounding her experience. So it's it's a really gorgeous episode. I hope you enjoy. And for anyone who's having a home birth, this is definitely one to listen to. So Sinead, thank you once again for sharing your experience. Uh, I hope you all enjoy this week's episode. Okay, so Sinead, you're very welcome to the Ireland's Birth Stories podcast. Thanks very much. If you want to just begin by giving us a little introduction to you and your family. Okay, so my name is Sinead and I live in Westmead with my partner, Gordon. And we have two boys. Connor is two and a half and Tyg is six months. So there's a two year, a nice, small enough age gap between them. But it's lovely. And do you want to talk about your first pregnancy then? So was it planned? Yeah. So we were we were together at six years. And yeah, we kind of felt, you know, like we were talking, talking about it the whole time. And it kept kind of coming up. So we said, right, we'll 
try and see what happens. So I had been on the pill, so I came off that and um, had one period and then got pregnant straight away. So we were so lucky. I kind of, even though I knew it could take longer, at the same time, I, I was expecting it to happen. You know, that kind of, I probably would have been, I was shocked. I kind of thought, oh, sure, I'm, I was 26 at the time. And it did make me realise, God, it must be awful hard for people when it does take an awful long time. Yeah. You know, that's like that, that, that waiting all the time. So we were so lucky it happened so quickly. Um, and it was great pregnancy, like wasn't sick, wasn't nauseous or anything like that. So so lucky and felt great. Um, and we didn't tell anyone then till 12 weeks, not even because because of kind of a fear of miscarriage or anything like that. It was more like really liked just each other knowing, mm. you know, that kind of way. We just were, mm. we really liked that it was just each other, like our kind of little secret and other people didn't know. And that was nice. Um and then obviously everyone was delighted when we did tell them at, at 12 weeks. Um, and then I went, so I was going to through the midwife's clinic. So that was great because it was, it was like I found the midwife's great and it was, like it didn't take near as long as dealing with the consultant. You were just de- like down with them and they were fantastic. Um, and yeah, I really, I like I found, found them brilliant. Uh, then I was kind of, yeah, I never had a massive bump. It was always, I was always fairly neat and people had kind of like, couldn't tell for ages and I had been dying to have a massive bump I wanted this big pregnancy bump and it to be really obvious and just didn't seem to be coming but um came kind of came eventually but when around 30 I think it was around 37 weeks yeah around 37 weeks um I went in for just an appointment within a routine appointment and the midwife was measuring my bump and said that it hadn't grown you know when they measure it with the tape so it hadn't grown from the week before she was saying, God, it looks a bit small. And I was kind of like, oh, everyone is saying it's small. Maybe it's just me. But she said, oh, I'll just send you for a scan. So I went up for a scan then. And the doctor was like, nope, everything looks perfect. Like, that's brilliant. So I was like, OK, great. Like, it was obviously, I'm just neat enough, maybe. But when I, I left and about 10 minutes later, they rang and said, um, would you mind coming back in for another scan? It's like, I, I, they didn't say anything came up or they didn't say why. But I was totally like, like what have they seen like why why how can someone look at a scan and everything be fine and then suddenly you know something's wrong then again so I kind of panicked I, so Gordon came in with me then and I went upstairs in up to the it's called the early pregnancy unit but they obviously would see people maybe near the end as well and met a lovely midwife who I know from Camogie she scanned me and she was saying that the head and legs were fine but the abdomen was measuring small or hadn't maybe grown as it should and that I also had low amniotic fluid so I was kind of like right like what does this mean and she was just saying like you know you need to go home like stay in bed don't be doing anything so I had been fairly like I had been really active and been in the gym like three times a week and also walking and like I felt brilliant I, I didn't feel I was overdoing it I was listening to kind of my body but I felt totally fine and she, so she was like you need to just do nothing like stay in bed and she said just have your bags ready so that if you come in next week and there's the same issue they might keep you so it's kind of like right that's okay we'll kind of see how the week goes and I'll, I won't do a thing so she said right you'll finish off with the doctor so when I went in when we went into the doctor she was like okay we've decided to induce you in two days time so this was on a Tuesday when I'd went in and she was like going to induce you on the Thursday and I was like oh like kind of why like what's what's wrong or whatever and she just said well we don't know what way where the baby you know if maybe the baby might be getting enough um nutrients for the placenta if it's not growing so if we if the baby's out we can monitor that or whatever and she said like I was 37 and three at this stage so she had said you're technically full term you know it's not that the baby's going to be extremely premature or anything like that now in hindsight now knowing kind of what I know and what I've looked into since I wish I kind of qu- queried that more and said kind of I can have a bit more time or whatever but and like she she gave me a leaflet and was like here's a leaflet on um induction and that was it like there was no no benefits no risks no like explaining the process like we didn't totally ter- first-time parents didn't just have a clue um so we were like okay that's fine so she said um we'll bring you in in two days which would be Thursday and I suppose the Harley as well was a bit of like, oh, we're going to meet the baby soon, you know, a bit like, which isn't the reason she wanted like ever to have your baby. But there was kind of probably an element to that as well. So we were like, right, we've kind of, we, we the next day to get ourselves ready. So we'll head off. So headed off. We only live about 15 minutes from the hospital. And on the way out, got another call and they were like, there's a space in the morning, come in at eight, we'll induce you tomorrow. So at this stage, it was like, you know, kind of 
you know when the blood kind of drains from you and you feel a bit shaky I was like oh my god like I think it's because we kind of thought we'd way more time I thought like I have three more weeks left at least so when I got home I remember being like right I need to start hoovering like I need to clean the house and Gordon was like will you just relax like you're gonna have a baby tomorrow you need to sit down and just get ready so we just kind of made sure we bags packed and everything sorted um and I didn't really want to tell anyone like I told my mom and we told Gordon's sister we I didn't tell my sisters or friends I just didn't really want like anyone to kind of be texting or the pressure of like you know the pressure of I don't know keeping people up to date with what was happening I just wanted it to be us dealing with it and I knew mom wouldn't my mom wouldn't be kind of constantly checking she just let her us do our thing and see like see keep in touch with Gordon or whatever um and I actually had thought as well because I knew nothing about inductions had thought sure, that could go on for days like a year of people being induced and it could take a few days I really didn't expect that like he ended up being bored that day the next day so um we went Can in I just the next ask morning. Yeah. Did you do any prep? Like did you do any I know you had your antenatal class, but did you yeah. do any additional classes? Well, we I had been going to yoga for preg- a pregnancy yoga class, and I'd never done pregnancy yoga before, actually, or I'd never done yoga before. So I like loved the pregnancy yoga and loved the whole like chill out at the end fall asleep yeah. thing. <laughs> loved it. I like I didn't get that for my second pregnancy because it was during the virus and I really missed it like I thought it was fantastic so she had done a this had put on this kind of yoga was like yoga for birth antenatal class with a midwife from the hospital and it was all about like active birth positions and then they also kind of dived into like how to change a nappy how to wash the baby and they got the dads to do those things as well it was just four couples and it was lovely so that was all I had done in that sense that and the antenatal classes um I had oh I think I had looked into a bit of gentle birth but at the time I yeah I didn't really do too much about it and I kind of I kind of was happy enough you know with happy enough what I had done whereas the second time round I done way more you know and I, I wish I'd done what I'd done the second time for the first the first time you know um so yeah that was what I had done there okay yeah I was just wondering just just because yeah. your your state of mind was kind of good going into the induction yeah. just to kind of keep everyone at distance yeah yeah that's yeah and I suppose I'd be kind kind of like that anyway I was kind of like I yeah I, yeah I just didn't you know when you know people would be like oh best of luck and I knew that mm. would nearly make me worried I'd be like and I'd be thinking of oh people want an update and people want to be told such a thing and um I just liked that it was just me and Gordon dealing with it and he was keeping mom up to date and she could tell my sisters then you know and mm. like that, that would that would be I wouldn't have feel like I'd have to be like even looking at my phone or anything like that throughout the throughout the induction um so yeah we went yeah went in then the next morning and it was weird it was kind of like you were checking in like to a hotel like you know like it, it was just the strangest kind of thing they were like oh sit in the waiting room and bring your bags and like it was just so kind of whereas I had expected this like the whole spontaneous labor and I'd my washers might break and or I might have a like lose my mucus plug I was kind of expecting all that not it to be kind of scheduled when it wasn't a section I just had never even really thought of induction so um the midwife then when we met our midwife went straight into a delivery suite now I don't know does that normally happen when I've listened to other stories on the podcast people seem to be kind of in an antelatal ward I don't know was it the type of induction I had I think I was put on the drip straight away so it could be for that reason but the midwife, she's actually married to my GP and she works there a few days a week. So she'd given me, I had her for a few antenatal classes or antenatal appointments. And she actually done an antenatal class in the hospital. So I like, kind of, she probably didn't remember me, but I had remembered her. So that was nice to have someone you kind of recognised and knew. It yeah. was lovely. Um, and she was brilliant. Like we brought the exercise ball and she was like getting me to go on and she'd be like, right, get up now there and we'll do a few squats and we'll do lunges. And she was just, there was no like, oh you just kind of I'll come back to you in a while she was just with me for the whole day and like yes yeah. totally was promoting me being active and moving and that kind of thing like at one point I was like okay I might like take a rest now you know I was like flat out <laughs> squatting I was like we'll take a bit of a break so I, yeah I'm pretty sure it was the drip I was put on straight away um because I remember trying to put a, the cannula into your it was into my hand and that I found that so painful and I was so afraid to like move my hand I don't know what did you find it hard to get it in but it was really bothering me I found it kind of hindering me you know that kind of way um mm. so then yeah things kind of I suppose she they she had me on kind of a CTG CTG monitor for a while and I don't think I'd stay on that at the start but then they broke my waters actually so once they broke my waters 
things seemed to just ramp up like immediately. Like it went from me kind of bouncing on the ball, happy out, well able to chat to suddenly like, okay, this is like really starting to become intense. So when, after that happened, I remember the Gordon was time of the contractions and it was like 20 seconds. And then there was like this peak and then I'd be a 20 second come down. And I remember when Gordon would say like, right, you're on the way down, you're on the way down. That was lovely. I knew it was coming to the end. But I think must maybe it was because my waters had been broken. Another contraction was starting like straight away. Like the, there was just absolutely no break at all. And it just felt, yeah, just felt very like overwhelming and intense. And like, you know, kind of like I didn't, I didn't just say, yeah, had no breather, really no breather at all. So after a while of that, I remember lying on my side at that stage in the bed and kind of couldn't talk. And I remember just being like, I can't do it. I can't do it. It was just getting so intense. And I said to Gordon, I like, I need the epidural. I'm going to have to get it. And beforehand, I'd I'd hoped to do it without the epidural, but was thought if I need it, I, I'll get it. Um, and Marie checked me then, like wasn't many centimeters dilated. And I remember thinking like, I won't be able to keep this up. Like I feel like, and I hadn't really kind of slept the night before because I knew I was going to be induced the next day and, and I knew I should have that morning eaten loads to be full of energy and I couldn't eat kind of with nerves or something like that. So I I was fairly kind of like tired and so it was weak enough, really. I remember Gordon trying to like feed me like jelly snakes because I think you're not, at the time, we thought you weren't supposed to eat. So when she wasn't looking, he was trying to like shove things into my mouth to give me energy, which is so ridiculous. Um, so after yeah after a while then she said right we'll get the we'll get you the epidural and we'll get the anesthetist to come down and um she was kind of marie was kind of saying like look you're it's obvious that it's taking its toll on you and you could end up going further into distress and put the baby in distress more you know this is probably a good idea so he came down got the epidural and um i like that was great relief like it was great relief straight away and felt like a new person but what I hated was I just had to sit in the bed like I like it was great I felt fine but I was like now I just can't move you know and like then I found I was very aware suddenly probably because I was more with it but I was aware of like the monitors and I was like is that monitor dipping and is there I'm sure I didn't have a clue what these monitors were doing but I was suddenly so like is that going down is that going up and is that the way it should be and it was kind of like I was just sitting waiting for the birth to happen but like and knew things were happening, but couldn't feel anything. Now it was still like, I could still feel when it came to pushing, I could still feel the contractions coming. Maybe the epidural had eased off a bit at that stage. But before that, there was one stage where um, the baby's heart rate must have dropped. Because I remember Marie kind of, she stayed calm, but suddenly there was like loads of people in the room. And I remember being prepped, so I was prepped for a section. Then there was a girl say, like asking me questions and I remember saying like, do you have any clips in your hair? And like, you've nail varnish on. And I was like, yeah, I only knew yesterday I was coming in. Like I didn't have time to take off the nail varnish. And, you know, they were taking off the pajamas, trying to put on this gown. Um, And then suddenly the consultant came in and she decided she'd do the fetal blood sample. So she, if anyone doesn't know that, that's to get the, I think it checks the baby's oxygen levels. So she'd done that. And I remember that being quite panicky because obviously she's to go in and, take a sample of blood off the top of the baby's head so it was like this very I remember her giving then the sample of blood to a nurse or midwife who like ran out with that and then she'd come back in and I, I feel I feel like she'd done it about three times I don't know is that what happens in my head that's what happened and it turned out that everything was fine he'd recovered and she said no you're okay to keep going with uh vaginal delivery so I didn't have to go for the section then so I was delighted because I really really wanted to avoid the section um so everything kept going and not kind of long after that, then I felt like it was kind of, she said, right, you're at 10 centimetres, it's time to push soon. And this was at the stage, like Gordon hadn't left me all day and she had said to him, go down to the shop, like get yourself something to eat. So I rang him and I was like, get back up, like the baby's coming soon. So uh, yeah, we were. On, it felt like it was only about 10 minutes pushing and like she was, she was kind of, she had to coach me to push obviously because of the epidural, but she was just like, when you feel a contraction coming, you can put, try and push and kind of hold on then and then go again. And like, it was all just very, there was no like her shouting at me or saying, come on. And, you know, it was, it was very calm. Um, so when his head came out, she said, do you want to put your head, hand down to feel the head coming? And I was like, yeah, yeah. But it freaked me out. <laughs> like absolutely freaked me out. And I was like, it wasn't this moment of, you know, when you hear people say they were so motivated. I was like, this is so weird. Like, <laughs> a baby's head coming totally freaked me out um 
But anyway, then he came quick enough, so I didn't have I get to dwell on that for long. So he, she was kind of saying, you know, wait for the next contraction and he'll come out. And he kind of just started coming. It was kind of like that fetal injection reflex. He just kind of kept coming. And um, yeah, she put, put him straight then up onto my chest and he was only five pounds, seven ounces. So I think it was maybe 2.49 kg. So he was small. So they were right, really for to induce me because I suppose he, he was was small but he didn't have to be taken away or go to um Nikki or anything like that so like we were able to have skin to skin and like he latched on then and um we were there for like an uh, I'd say an hour afterwards with Marie which was lovely it was really nice to kind of nearly when you'd were the other side of it to like chat to the midwife then you know that kind of way and she was just cleaning up and having the crack and it was lovely so um I, and then I had no tears actually, so I had no tears, so I didn't need stitches or anything. So that was lovely. Probably I don't know was that him being small or had she coached me fairly well to get him out. Um, so that was great. Um, and then I got the injection for the placenta to come out. Um, I think uh, do you have to maybe when you get the epidural? I can't remember. So got the injection, the placenta came out. Um, we went down then to the ward and, um. My mom and dad actually came in straight away, which was lovely. So that was really nice. They got to come in and because it's the first grandchild. So that was really nice. They got to come in. Um, Gordon's parents, unfortunately, aren't alive. So he, he just has one sister. So she got to come in the next day. So um, that was lovely. But it was kind of from then on, after they all kind of went, I hate, just hated being in there. They see Ty or Connor's blood sugars um, dropped and he kind of got cold. So he ended up being in incubator but he was in, in with me. So that wasn't too bad. He was in beside me, but I just felt, I don't know, was it him being small? And then that this had happened that like, I, I felt like, like obviously they come around all the time, the, the midwives. Um, but I just felt like they were constantly coming around. You just never got kind of, you know, a chance to kind of, you know, like they were like, a, they were a great help, but at the same time, it kind of made me anxious when they'd come near you because they were constantly checking him and checking was his blood sugars back up and was he warm enough? And, um, kind of hoping obviously that he'd gain weight and things like that so he wouldn't we couldn't get get him as well then to latch on um again in hindsight I feel like I either I should have pushed for more or more could have been done but he wouldn't take a bottle either so I was um expressing and then giving him the colostrum through a syringe and then this continued obviously when the colostrum became the milk I was expressing and giving it to him in a bottle which I'd never do again because it was a nightmare because obviously it was kind of like I was doing both. Um, it would be different if I was breastfeeding and you decided to give a bottle maybe as a, like to help out, you know, or if you were going away, that kind of thing. But this was like kind of, this is the way he was being fed. And that continued for a good few weeks. And I was just exhausted because when we got home, it was like, I'd, yeah, I'd get up and feed him at night or Gordon could feed him, but like he, Connor would be gone back to sleep and I'd be sitting up pumping, you know, <laughs> I was like, he's asleep now. And then I'd go back to sleep and he'd be awake not long after then. And because he was small, we were really making sure we were strict on waking him every three hours um, to try and get him to gain weight. So we ended up being in hospital then for about, I think it was four nights. I, he was born on Wednesday and I was ho- wasn't home till Sunday because they were constantly just checking him. And it was like, they just wanted to kind of keep an eye on him or whatever. But I just was really wanted to get home. was like, I just feel like I'd be able to manage much better at home. And I'd have Gordon there to help me. And like he was, there was no bother with him coming in and out of the hospital, but um, I just couldn't wait to get home. I remember on the Saturday, they said, right, you might get home tomorrow. And Sunday there was a midwife and she's like, mm, I don't know. And I just started to fall and cry. And I was like, I just really, really want to go home. Like, you know, I feel like I can, like, I will be fine. Um, and of course she checked my blood pressure and it was sky high and it never is high and it's hadn't been throughout labor. So she was kind of like, oh, your blood pressure's high. And Gordon has a little monitor. He runs the gym. So he's a little monitor at home to check blood pressure. And I was like, I can check it at home and um, keep an eye on it. And I'd go in the next day for the heel prick test for Connor anyway. And she said, we'll check your blood pressure then. So we kind of then just started packing the bags and like ran, like as if like we were going to be stopped. Like It was like we were just running away as if with this baby that like, I was like, let's just go, just get out of here quick. <laughs> like it was so, so ridiculous. Um, but I remember like just crying with relief when we were leaving, just dying to just get home and kind of be just more in control. I just felt like there was constantly people kind of checking on us. Um, obviously they were helping, but I just wanted to kind of 
have the help of Gordon at home and be in our familiar surroundings. Um, I remember then getting in the car to leave the hospital and I sat in the back with Connor and I was like, why is everyone driving so fast? I'm like, do they not know we have a newborn? Like everyone's flying by. Like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> I know. Like we are the only ones with a new baby. Why is everyone so fast? I was like, we'll never get home. I was like, you have to drive slow. We have precious cargo. So um, it was lovely. Like it was lovely. That was so nice then to get home and like the public health nurses were brilliant. They, we had an awful lot of checks with them to do with his weight and he was flying like mm. but not weight um like that the main issue was the feeding that so he was taken to the bottles but it kind of did feel like we're constantly trying to get mil- more milk into him just to make sure he was but on weight but the expressing was hard because I felt like I was just spending the whole day feeding and expressing and feeding and expressing so it was nice when that ended but I, I don't know do I I kind of regret not pushing the breast even more in the hospital um but I think I just kind of, I was just in such a panic to like, oh God, he needs to be fed. He's small, you know, that kind of way. So th- this it was all just a great learning curve for the second time around. Um, so yeah, we had a great, like a great time then with Connor. Like it was hard, obviously, when you're trying to get used to going from it being me and Gordon and we were so independent and done loads together on our own that, you know, lo- like loads as a couple that then you suddenly can't just go off and go to Camogie and go to Ireland and drop everything. You have to get people to mind them and you have to, like, you can't just, life is just so different, but it was lovely, really nice. And, you know, like, it's obviously, obviously all worth it at the end, but it it was so lovely and like totally, totally changes you as a couple in a way. Like you, we definitely became so, so strong then because you just really like, you need each other, you need to lean on each other so much. Obviously there's hard times where you're going to kill each other and you're taking, I was taking my frustrations out on him, but it was still, uh, it was still just so nice and nice to kind of us now suddenly be this little family of three. It was lovely. Will we move on to your next pregnancy? Yeah. So then we, there's two years between me and my two sisters and I'd always thought like, I'd love that kind of age gap. So when Connor was kind of one and a bit, we said, right, we'll try for the, for Tyg. And similar to Connor, I never actually went back on the pill. So I, because I had been on the pill for so long and only had one period and then got pregnant with Connor, I, said kind of I'd stay off and try and just get everything see is everything normal are they regular and that kind of thing so I was just tracking with a uh, period app so I knew then when I'd be ovulating that kind of thing so uh again so lucky happened straight away um and we done the same didn't tell anyone for the 12 weeks and like it was lovely um and then as I was kind of like I'd always thought about having a home birth and but was it was kind of like as if oh like not many people do that like the norm is just to go to the hospital so I suppose it's never been in my mind but this was coming into so I got pregnant kind of around the around February and then the coronavirus coronavirus hit kind of around that time as well I suppose not long after that I remember that I'm a teacher and the schools closed in the middle of March so I would have been pregnant but not many knew at that stage um and I remember being like god I like there's no way like I don't want go like that Gordon won't be with me when I'm giving birth like that was kind of one thing but a lot of people, when I told them afterwards that we had the home birth, were, were kind of like, oh, sure, with the virus. Whereas at the same time, it actually, originally it wasn't for that reason. I'd been kind of looking into the whole, like, um, I wanted to be upright and not, I knew with, like, with the epidural the first time, I just had to be on my back. And I'd looked into a good bit of stuff to do, you know, that, you know, the baby, if you get the epidural, can like maybe going to there could be issues with if the baby was into stress and it doesn't obviously doesn't always happen and didn't didn't end up like it was totally fine with Connor but I kind of had thought right the only way I can avoid the epidural and be in an upright position not be lying on my back is if I can't get the epidural and I can't get it if I stay at home that kind of thing and we only live as well 15 minutes in the hospital so it wasn't I never kind of felt like we're very far but I just done like loads of research and look like really looked into it as in for ages, like didn't contact the midwife till about 32 weeks. You know, I still, the whole time I was thinking of it, but not really doing nothing about it. And I'd every so often be like to Gordon, what would you think if we'd a home birth? And he knew that I'd be really like, if I had thought about it, I'd have done, like I'd, I'd have looked into it. I wouldn't just be randomly suggesting it. So he was like, if he was like, kind of, I'd like to meet the midwife and talk to her and see. So I'd said, right, well, I'll contact her and we'll get her to come out to the house and just have a chat. So, um, the same as well with this pregnancy with pregnancy number two was no sickness or anything like that just tiredness and like that the first time around you got to have naps whenever you want whereas the second time it doesn't happen so um uh, and then I did find it hard I suppose when Connor was so small and he was only one so he wasn't even like he was only starting to walk and starting to say words 
so there was no talking to him you know that kind of way whereas now at two and a half you'd get to well there's still no talking to him but he'd understand you a bit more um so we contact I contacted Angela um Cotter from Mullingar she's she's brilliant and she came out to the house and this was just like our chat to kind of see if it was an option like I'd all our kind of worries written down and talked to her and I was kind of wondering about like well what if the baby isn't breathing when they come out and she kind of explained how she had kind of all the equipment help with that and you know what if something went wrong and she was saying about how there's an ambulance on on standby and like two midwives are at the birth and all this kind of stuff and like stuff that was I, I didn't have a clue of like it was way more kind of that's stupid, but way more well organized than I thought. Like there's so much in place. And because the criteria is so strict with the HSC home birth, I knew that I must be fairly low risk for this to even be considered, to even like be allowed to go ahead with it. And um, so after her the first session with her, the first her first chat, I was like, as soon as she left, I was like, 100 percent I want to do it. Like I really want to have a home birth now. And it's not that she convinced you, but she made me feel like everyone does it. Like it wasn't like, you know, I, I just felt like, oh, everyone, does, like this is such a common thing. There's nothing to be panicked about, like nothing to be worried about. And like after I talked to her, I wasn't worried about any of these issues that I would have been worried about originally. You know, I was totally like, like there's there's a solution for everything kind of thing. And um, so we, again, like I decided we wouldn't tell anyone that we're having the home birth. So I told again, told my mom and two sisters and that was it, like decided we wouldn't tell anyone else and I just like now I'm like god maybe that was a bit kind of harsh not telling anyone but I just really didn't want people questioning it and me having to give reasons and convince them when they weren't the one giving birth you know I was like I just want to be it to be like it's totally my decision there's no way I would put me or the baby at risk at all like I've obviously really looked into this and I kind of just didn't want yeah I didn't want to explain to people I also didn't want the pressure that if I did need a transfer that I'd have to explain why I needed it and that kind of thing. I just was like, I just, again, I was like, I just wanted to be me and Gordon that deal with it. And um, he'll be fully supportive. And the same with my mom and sisters. And they were like, yeah, that you like do whatever you want or whatever. And once they knew, like they kind of had similar questions that I had. And when I could answer that, they were kind of happy enough then. Um, so yeah, so I only booked Angela at like 30, I'd say 32 weeks. And the only reason I got her was she was due to have that month off because she was going to, I think she was going to be bridesmaid at a bridesmaid or a friend's wedding. But because of the virus, it was called off, which worked out great in my favor because she wouldn't have been able to take me, obviously, otherwise. Um, so that's how she ended up being able to take me. So that was brilliant. And I love that, like, for her appointments. So I had the five appointments. Well, I actually, we kind of just about got the five appointments in in advance because I was so late getting her. But I just love that, like, she could come out and check my blood pressure, the urine sample, the baby's heartbeat, and it took like five minutes. And in the hospital, I was hours. And that's not the hospital's fault. It's obviously just they're understaffed and it's the way things happen there. But, and then, like, that would be done in five minutes. And then she could just chat. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details about the birth and get you excited about it and like each week she had her little agenda to go through different aspects of birth and I was always just so excited when she'd after she was gone kind of thinking about what was to come um, and you just knew that she like that she deals with this all the time but I felt like I was the only one that she was looking after. So did you do anything different second time around um, for labour and birth prep? Um, yes yeah, so the second time then I done hypnobirthing I done an online course because there was no obviously in-person courses with the virus but um I done hypnobirthing it's the positive birth company it's called by Siobhan Miller so I done that online and found it brilliant so there was just like these kind of kind of little modules that you done I found that really really good so um I done that that was that was great and really found that a help um then I was reading, I, the, Siobhan Miller has a book out as well. I read that and Ina May Gaskin's Guide to Childbirth. Uh, there was another one I think was Millie Hill wrote it. So I just, I just basically read loads and loads to try and kind of, kind of keep reiterating the same thing. I listened to the Gentle Birth app as well. Um, and I definitely felt really prepared. You know, I done a breastfeeding class as well, actually. Um, yeah, breastfeeding preparation class. Because uh, I had told Angela kind of what had happened the first time with breastfeeding I wanted to like I really just want, I wanted to give it a give it a go and she was like no we'll have you breastfeeding there'll be, there won't be a problem it'll it'll definitely happen so that was great um I think I done spinning babies as well because I was like oh God, I really don't need the baby to be breached because then I won't get to have the home birth um so just done a good a good few I felt like I was just way way more prepared the second time um, can I just ask um, you why why did you yeah. Why do you think there was such a contrast between preparation first time and second time round? Because it's just a common thread between so many yeah. of us. Yeah, I think I think the first time you're just, you go into it so, I don't know, you just go into it so blind and you think like, oh, this is great. Like I'm pregnant now and I'm just going to have the baby and kind of we'll see what happens. I, I don't know where the, whereas the second time I was like, even though I, I really did feel like I had a positive experience on Connor, I wanted it to be like guaranteed. It, I would re, it would be positive and I'd, just no, like I thought, I thought like there's no guarantee it could be positive. So I like, I need to do as much as I can to make sure that that, that happens. If that makes, yeah, if that yeah. makes sense. Um, I was like, right, I just want to cover all aspects. Like I, I looked in way more into like that, um, how if you're kind of like in an upright position, there's more, it helps the baby to come down obviously. And compared to just lying on your back and it being harder for the baby to get through and, how that can then lead to maybe needing an instrumental delivery or a section and um, those kind of things. So I, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I think maybe I just had, and I suppose I was more invested after having a birth, I was way more invested in labor and childbirth the second time yeah. because I'd been through it already, I think. Um, and it is hard to kind of advise people the first time around because you do, you just don't have a clue. And, you know, bar maybe if it's something you've always been interested in, it's not really you know it's not that promoted it's not like people talk like like I, I a lot of pages and stuff I follow now on Instagram it's because it was after the first birth yeah. you know it was and like that I, I would have listened to your podcast more so on the, the second like when I was pregnant the second time and been so like loved listening to all the different stories and hearing how like all the different ways birth can go and I suppose that would teach you a good bit as well that you need to be prepared because there's so like so many options and so many different things that can happen you know, I had kind of thought you'd just go in and give birth the first yeah. time, whereas it obviously doesn't just work out like that, you know? Yeah, no, it's because it's, it's just this, a similar case with a lot of us. Even for me, I went yeah. in and just, I don't know what I was expecting because I didn't even, I didn't yeah. even think yeah. about after. I didn't even know about my milk coming in. I, you know, I rang my mother yeah. and had no, had no idea what was going yeah. on. So it's just strange yeah. the way um, yeah. we just and like with not prepared. Exactly, yeah. And like, like that I nearly fed the first time, like when... Connor was in the incubator that time I was nearly like oh am I allowed to take him out like he's my mm. baby do yeah. you know like it's just kind of I don't know is it an innocence or yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, I don't know what it is um that makes it so like yeah that makes you feel like you just kind of don't have a clue and I definitely felt like that and 
the hospital afterwards as if I like I remember actually um when I was changing Connor's first nappy and the it was the meconium and I remember the midwife being there and she'd give me like I'd like cut the cotton balls and water I, there wasn't I didn't have water like I wasn't using the water wipes or whatever type of wipes and I remember being like do I need to get all this off and she was kind of looked at me like well you're hardly going to leave some of it on but I like couldn't get it off I was thinking this stuff is absolutely attached to him and I was like like did I didn't even know that was possible and I was like do I need to get all this off like of course you need to get it all off <laughs> you know like so so just some of the stuff I'm like just so innocent not having yeah. a clue that this stuff would happen you know yeah so so then I yeah then getting near so because that was so late it was that I had booked Angela we were kind of getting near the get near the end and I at this stage I was like as much as Angela would say like look you could end up having transfer and are you happy enough if that happens and I like I was saying yeah absolutely but in my mind I kept thinking like I am having the baby at home there's no way I'm going to the hospital and again it's not that I've anything against the hospital but I just felt like and I really I just felt like I really I wanted to have him at home I felt safe there um, it was comfortable surroundings. It would just be me and Gordon. And I d- hadn't really worked out yet if Connor would be at home or not. I knew he wouldn't be part of the birth because yeah. he'd only be, he was only turning two and he just wanted to be like in the pool. So I knew that wasn't like an option. But I just liked that, like we hadn't told anyone, it would just be us and the midwives and it'd all be very comfortable. And I kind of knew what way I wanted to set up the room where the birth and pool would be in. Now, our other issue was about less than a week in advance of my due date the HSE pulled giving birth in the water so that was like at the time I kind of when Angela rang and said so, so they said there was a, an adverse outcome to a water birth so um at the time Angela was like devastated this couldn't happen now I had never said to, said like I, I was getting I got a pool but I knew I wanted to labor in the water and hadn't really decided if I'd give birth in the water or not but I had said like kind of we'll see what happens like I won't really decide and she was like totally um Angela was totally like you just decide like it's it's totally up to you so when she said that I was I wasn't too upset she seemed to be de- she was definitely like really really upset that it couldn't happen I couldn't give birth in the water that I'd have to get out but I was kind of like ah kind of we'll, we'll see what happens so um yeah then back to so around I was due I was 40 weeks on a Wednesday and my mom texted me on the Thursday, so the next day, and said that she was off work on the Thursday and Friday and that she would take Connor for the night on Friday night. And I remember saying to Gordon, like, I will definitely give birth when she takes Connor on Friday night. I just thought, like, I'll be totally relaxed. Uh, he won't be at home. And that and that's what ended up happening. <laughs> I ended up going into labour on that, that, that night and having him. So she... On, on Friday morning, Connor was going to the childminders and mom texted and just said, oh, do you want to call over for a walk? Like, no pressure. So I was like, yeah, that'd be lovely. So we went to a forest beside her house called Mullochmean Forest. I went for a really long walk. And I remember saying to her, I'll just leave my phone in the car. And she was like, do not leave your phone in the car. What if you go to labour? We need to bring someone in the middle of the forest. Like, So um, we went for a really nice walk. And I remember just having like such a nice day because usually if I ever go to their house, I'd always have Connor with me. So like I'd never really get to sit down and relax because you'd be running around after him. So I got to like totally just chill out and we went for a walk and then my dad works around. So he popped home and we'd like tea and scones and it was just lovely. lovely. It was just so relaxing. Yeah, like I'd never be just me with the two of them. So it was really nice. And I went home then and got Connor and dropped him back because he was going to stay the night. Um. And I wasn't, you know, you hear some people being very emotional kind of when that happens. And I, I was fine. I was thinking, this is grand. Like, he's off. He's gone off. Um, so I had been kind of getting like period type cramps that week, but like not not, not enough that I, not noticeable that I'd even said it to Gordon. Like, it was just all very, um, like, I didn't even notice them in a way. You know, it was only in hindsight. I remember thinking I've mm. kind of been getting these cramps all week. So I was sitting on the couch just watching Friends and I was texting some of my friends and Gordon said he was going to go out to the gym. So he's the gym here at the house it's in a shed outside. It's converted. And he said, oh, I'm just going to go out and do a workout. And I went to the bathroom and lost a bit of my mucus plug. So I said to him, after losing a bit of my mucus plug, and we were kind of laughing, thinking, geez, it, it was just then that it kind of hit us like, this baby could be coming 
in this house you know that kind yeah. of we were like oh my god this could happen tonight in this house and then I was like look it could be ages we don't know that that doesn't mean anything so I told text Angela and told her and she was like that's fine just keep me updated like she just would never panic that was what I loved you'd never ever feel panicked um with Angela so he went off to the gym and I text my friend Ruth saying that I lost with my mucus plug and she has two boys and she was like, this time tomorrow now you'll be in the throes of labour and all this. So when Gordon was in the gym, I text him saying like, I think I'm getting, starting to get kind of um, contractions. Like I was getting, like that, no, they weren't, I wouldn't have even called them contractions. They were cramps that were just getting a little bit worse, but in no way like would I've had to stop what I was doing. Wouldn't have had, they wouldn't, I would have still been able to talk, like still be able to text or talk. Like, you know, everything was, was totally um manageable so when he came in again we were both kind of like god this is bad now this could happen this could happen anytime soon it was kind of a funny sensation because the first time like I was absolutely dying to go into spontaneous labor and it not be an induction I just really wanted to see um what would happen I know that sounds very strange but I wanted to see what would happen and like feel the contractions so Another, like, like that, I was kind of getting, still getting cramps, but I said to him, sure, we'll go upstairs to bed. So this is about half 11 or 12. And I was like, well, just go up to bed anyway. And like, you're supposed to try and get as much rest as possible. So we'll go up and do that. So I turned off all the lights and went to bed. But the minute I lay down, it was like, as if something in me just changed and was like, don't be lying down. You're going to be having this baby soon. So okay. I got, I was, I was like, I remember just literally lying the middle of my head hit the pillow. I was like, I'm getting back up. So <laughs> we were like down, back downstairs and I had the, had an exercise ball and I went into the bathroom. So we've quite a, we've quite a large downstairs bathroom. We've only one bath in the house and it's big enough. So there's loads of room in it. And like, this was the kind of stuff that I had wanted to see what would happen. Um, like that I naturally just wanted to be in the bathroom, mm. even though the birth and pool had been inflated, but wasn't filled yet. It was inflated in the sitting room and that the sitting room was where I'd had affirmations on the wall and candles ready to go. And like we'd, you know, it was in November. So we'd like the fire lit or ready to be lit and, you know, essential oils oh, and all this kind of thing. <laughs> I know it was, it was really, it was lovely. Um, but yet I wanted to be in the bathroom, you know, it was that, mm. it was that, the, like, and it really was that, that, that I had wanted to experience to see like naturally what I would just want to do at the time. Like no matter how much you kind of visualize in your head, I wouldn't have thought I'd be in the bathroom. But then a lot of like people say that, that they, they do kind of tend to go in there. Um, so I was just in there, like leaning over the ball on my knees and Gordon was just sitting there time of contractions. And I put on, I think like just a random, like hypnobirth and music and was just swaying side to side and was totally fine. And even so when I tell him time of the contraction, they were totally sporadic. Like they could last anywhere from 10 seconds to like a minute. They could be a minute apart, could be 10 minutes apart. Uh, and Gordon was, and I was totally fine, like not well able to be talking to him kind of in between them and he said I think we should text Angela and I was like no that's like there's no way we're texting her if I was going to the hospital I wouldn't go in now you know that was kind of how I was judging I was like there's no way so this is probably about um I'd say like maybe half 12 quarter to one at night I I was like we're not texting her this is just like I'm I'm fine it's we're only getting started I wouldn't say I'm even dilated and he was like kind of gave me this look like as if I'm not delivering the baby at home my own like we're texting the midwife so I text text her and she was like oh sure I'll make my way out slowly you can tell Gordon start filling the pool and I was like this is ridiculous she's going to get here I'm wasting her time in the middle of the night now and I won't even be dilated like um so she she just said anyway that she she decided she'd come on out and I remember I could see her from like where I was in the bathroom I could see her coming into the house and again she's just casual as Anthony as if you're not about to have a baby and oh, hi and she just started setting up her stuff and kind of helping Gordon with the pool and she came into me then and done my uh checked my blood pressure and um she listened to the baby's heartbeat and she was like everything's fine and she just kind of kept going about her business and I was fine at this stage uh but she did she didn't check me or anything like that she didn't check how many centimeters I was dilated and then she said um she just came in to me after a while and said, oh, do you want to come into the sitting room, which is where the pool was, the pool and all that was. And I was like, okay, yeah, that's fine. Now things kind of started to ramp up then. So she got to the house at 20 past one. Things, I felt like things kind of started to ramp up then. Um, then, yeah, I remember lying on the couch and I was getting to the stage now where I couldn't talk. Like, okay. and the whole, from, from actually when I was in the bathroom, I didn't talk, I'd say, until like I gave birth. Like I just went totally in, 
I, I don't know what you say, you're out of control or in control, but I totally was just like totally in my own zone, not saying a thing. And like, I would be a ch- chatterbox naturally. And I just was totally not saying anything. Um, like Gordon would just come bring me a drink and they, they were just kind of busy. They'd be filling the pool and stuff. And I just liked that. I was just being totally left mm-hmm. to myself. And Angela would just keep coming to check on me and check the heartbeat, the baby's heartbeat and check me and stuff. And, but she was so subtle. I nearly can't remember her even doing that now. Like everything was just so just like I was just totally left to my own devices which was really nice and so when we're in the sitting room then I was lying on the couch and now at this stage yeah getting uncomfortable knowing that was really ramping up and I remember she just said oh do you want to get into the pool I was like yeah that's fine and I will never forget it to the day I die the most unbelievable feeling and I'm (laughs) nervous that I'll never get it ever again because it was so amazing getting into that water I don't know what I like it felt like it was so intense like insanely hot and it probably wasn't but it felt like that. But it was, I just like, I so I hadn't spoken in eight hours. It felt like, and I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And she was like, it's lovely, isn't it? <laughs> I was like, this is so amazing. Like the heat, but it was like, I just felt so weightless. Like obviously, right, I could still feel contractions. It wasn't like I was suddenly well able for everything, but it just, it just was amazing. It's hard to describe it as I'm sure you know yourself, yeah. but it was so lovely. Um, So I was kind of lying on my, but yeah, lying on my back in the pool. So she's still like, she she ne- she ended up not checking me at all. She reckons I was pr- maybe about five centimeters when she got there, but she never, she didn't check me once. Um, so I was lying on my back in the pool and Gordon was at my head and she was at my, kind of at, like where my feet, I could see her. And it was so funny at one stage because like Gordon had felt, say with the hospital birth, that he was kind of just an extra person there. You know, he he felt like he wasn't doing much, but obviously at a home birth, he just felt like he was doing everything, you know, that he was doing so much. And I remember like, so I had all these affirmations on the wall and like, I didn't even look at them, but I remember I looked at him in one stage and he looked at the wall and just started reading oh. affirmation. <laughs> I just, in, I, did, I wasn't laughing, but inside I was dying laughing. I was like, that is so funny. He was like, I can't remember which one it was, but he was like, you can do anything for a minute or, you know it was so funny and like what like at the time I didn't laugh but it was like thinking back now it was so funny so fair play to him he was really getting yeah. into it um, so he uh yeah then I was kind of on my back and happy enough like uncomfortable but like like they're intense but it was definitely manageable but then I t- just turned onto my front and she just said do you feel like you're going to push and I just nodded my head and then I had to get out because I couldn't give birth in the water mm. um, and like in hindsight even if I had decided I wouldn't have give birth in the water I would have at the time because okay. it was providing such relief so I was like afterwards at the exact moment I wasn't devastated getting out but afterwards I was like such a pity I had to get out and Angela kept saying like I'm so sorry I'm so sorry I'm so sorry you have to get out Um, I felt like they couldn't get me out that they had to drag me out but Gordon said I could get out but I felt like I couldn't because I get a contraction and be kind of stuck, you know, that kind of way. So once I was out, I was on my knees and Angela just said, do you want to put up one of your lift, like lift one of your knees and kind of open up the pelvis. Um, And that's the way he was born then. So he was born within, it felt again, it felt like 10 minutes could have been a bit longer, but it felt like it was 10 minutes. Um, Now I had been so quiet up to that, but like once he was coming, I just remember I don't know what I was shouting and <laughs> shouting and roaring. Uh, I remember kind of biting Gordon's hand, like not caring if I like was going through into his bones, you know, <laughs> it was just like, like, this is what I'm doing. So you can sacrifice yourself, mm. your hand for this. And that was definitely very, very intense when he was coming out. Um, which obviously like I'd kind of expected, but at the same time, like it was, it was very intense, but for such a short period of time. Like it was so intense, but for not even five minutes. Yeah. You know, yeah. that kind of way. So, um, and then he, yeah, then he was out and like being able to just like sit up on the couch was just crazy. Like I, I was, I was definitely in shock because, so she, Angela got here at 20 past one and he was born at 10 to three. So it was only like an hour and a half later that she was only there for about an hour and a half. And Anya, um, you, oh, I think you had Anya. Yeah. yeah. So I done <laughs> such a lovely, such a lovely duo. So Anya was there. Um, so like it was just mad that I, I I was just in shock that I think that number one it had happened so quick but I was I think I was in shock as well that I'd had him at home I was like this has actually happened like mm. it's what I wanted to happen has happened I was definitely a bit shocked at that um but so she so she um put him on my chest and like that he latched on and she said then do you want to get back in the pool and I said no and now I don't again these things that I keep analyzing I'm like 
do I regret that not getting back in? But I think at the time I was just so kind of exhausted because it had happened very quick. I didn't really feel like I had the energy to get back into the pool, you know, that kind yeah. of way. Um, but now I'm like, should I have got in? And I keep trying to be like, oh, just try and let it go because I don't want to kind of have regrets about it or whatever. Um, and then, yes, yeah, so then after a while, now not that long, she said to me, Will we, do you want to wait for the placenta to come or will I give you the injection? And at this stage, I was like, oh, give me the injection. I just want wanted it. Like the the cord, the, the cord had gone white and everything at this, this stage. And I was like, yeah, get the baby out or get the placenta out. Um, and she actually as well, when when Tyg's head was coming, she said, his head is out. You want to feel it? And I was like, no, no, no absolutely not. <laughs> I was like, let's just get him out or get the baby. I need to get the baby out or something like that. I was like, I'm not, I don't want to go uh, feel his head and just freak me out. <laughs> so uh, then they like Anya and Angela went out to the kitchen and made themselves tea and like let, gave us time just on our own with Tyg in the sitting room. And it was lovely. Um but then she said, right, she's going to come back in to check me and see that I have any tears. So I actually did have a second degree tear, which I was actually devastated about. because I think because I hadn't, didn't have a tear the first time. Yeah. And I know they're so common, but because I didn't have one the first time, I was really raging. <laughs> I was so annoyed. I don't know, was it, I, I think it was, afterwards it's a bit like, did I, was I annoyed at myself for not breathing them down better? Was it, I don't know what it was, but um as well, the tear wasn't straight. It was kind of jagged, would you call it? So um, now Angela was able to stitch me up. That, the first thing I asked was, I was like, do I need to be transferred to the hospital? And she was like, God, no, no, I'll be able to do this. So I remember she said, um, okay, so we're going to give, like, stitch you up. And I was like, that's fine. And like, uh, Gordon done skin to skin then with Tyg, so that was lovely. And she just said like, okay, I'll go and get the gas and air. So I hadn't used the gas and air. I totally forgot about it. Like, it was just in her car. And I was like, why would I need the gas and air? Like, I was totally like, oh, God, like, does this mean that this is going to be agony if she thinks I'll need the gas and air? Yeah. And I was like to her, is this going to be sore? And she kind of looked at me and I was like, oh, my. I was like, I've just had a baby. And now I have to go and now I need the gas and air. I was like, this this couldn't be right. So I was like, right, get the gas and air. So she got the gas and air. And I think, it was, is it a local anesthetic you get? Yeah. Found that agony. And oh, I found, yeah. getting, found getting the stitches agony. Like, I just, I was so calm throughout the whole thing and I just totally lost it getting them. I don't know, was it that the baby was born and I was in a little bit of shock that he was born? Because, yeah, she, so she gave me the anesthetic and then when they were doing the stitches, yeah, I just felt like I was screaming. I was shouting, fuck. I was like, mm. this is the first words my baby's here and me roaring the F word. Like, um, and I was taking the gas and air, but I, like I had gas and air on the, my, from my first birth with Connor and I didn't find it really any good. Um and I said again the second time to try it, but then it just didn't arise for her to go and get it. I never really kind of, I just didn't even think of it. Um, so I, I don't know if I really found it effective or was it just a good kind of distraction when she was doing the stitches and she kept apologizing when she was doing the stitches and taking a break. And then they, I was getting that bad. They, I remember them saying, will we give you a, another local anesthetic, I think. And I was like, well, how many stitches are left? And they, she was like two or three. And I was like, just keep going, just keep going. Yeah. And when it was done, I like, I yeah, I genuinely found that like I'm like, like I just found that so much worse than the birth. You know, you don't turn like scare people with that. But I wish people people are so kind of caught up in the pushing part. I'm like the yeah. pushing part is grand compared to that part. I'm like, oh my god, I I just and I again, yeah, I don't know, was it that I I thought I I didn't expect I didn't expect it at all because I thought like I didn't have a stitches the first time, which was stupid. Like just because you don't tear once doesn't mean you're it's not going to happen another time. But um. Yeah, and she just kind of said, she said that she couldn't just leave it to heal naturally because it was a bit jagged that, you know, it'd look fairly messed up if she did just leave it to heal itself. Um, the other thing I meant to mention was I tried the TENS machine um, at the start when I when Angela got there first when I was in the bathroom, but it didn't work for me at all. Now, I think I put it on too late. I think they say you should have it on early. But so I think it, like I just felt like I was getting electric shock. It's <laughs> like this is just this is worse than the contractions. I'm just getting little shocks and it wasn't distracting me. You know, it was like in a bad way. So I didn't um, find that good. But I think I've heard people say, yeah, you need it on fairly early. And I probably was too far along at that stage for it to be effective, I'd say. Um, so, yeah, then. Yeah, so they given anyway, that was all horrendous. And like I was trying not to look, obviously, when when they were given the anesthetic or but I remember Gordon saying he could see Angela doing the stitches and he was like it was like she was just sewing the way you sew you know in secondary school when you're like sewing like 
it's patchwork. He's like, her arm was just over and back, over and back. <laughs> I was like, this is just like, oh God. I think I just, I, that's what I definitely wasn't prepared for. I definitely wasn't prepared for that. Now, I don't know, was that a good or bad thing to not be prepared for that? Um, so anyway, that once that was done, yeah, Anya said like, okay, so I, I, I like, we'll go, I'll go and bring you to the bathroom. And I remember after Connor, I didn't go to the toilet for ages, even though I could actually walk after the epidural, I could walk fine that evening. And then like they had said that that could lead to your like further blood loss. Like Angela was saying, like, make sure you go to the toilet. So I was like, that was great. That kind of education in advance mm. that she could tell you that kind of stuff, like keep going to the toilet and that kind of thing. So Anya brought me in and like to go to the toilet. And um, I remember then Angela saying like, okay, whenever you're ready, um, I'll bring you up to bed. And I was like, this is amazing that like someone saying like, I'm just going to bring you upstairs and tuck you into your bed and, like I'm in my house you know so yeah. the, like they stayed for ages they were so good um like Anya must have been here till he was born at 10 to 3 I don't know what time she was here till probably 6 and Angela was here till nearly 7 in the morning and she'd come at 20 past 1 like they're amazing um so she brought me upstairs and I remember getting to the top of the stairs and I looked into our room and I was like our bed sheets are white I was like, what was I thinking? White bed sheets, like around the time when you'd give birth. And but Angela was like, it's no big deal, we'll put down a towel and <laughs> there was not a speck of blood on the sheets. Um, so she the thing I had been kind of worried about was right if I'm breastfeeding, what if mm. you know in a hospital you can obviously just ring the bell and someone will come to help you? But uh, I was thinking, like if she no one's here, how will I manage if I can't get them to latch on or anything? But she just showed me the sideline position and she was like, just feed them this way until I come back again this evening, and then we'll go with another way or whatever so that was really reassuring that I was able to feed him uh, lying on my side and that's all I kind of had to worry about just feed him lying on my side and deal with deal with everything else then kind of when she came again later that evening um so we rang then my mom and dad like then yeah they couldn't believe it they were up at that time like six or seven with Connor and they were totally shocked they weren't expecting that when we'd ring Connor would have a little brother um, and rang my sisters and Gordon's sister and people like that um, and then Connor came over then that, that mom they brought came over with him then to meet Tyg and again Angela happened to be there at the time so she came again the next evening and she was great because she was saying just simple things like that she was saying just don't be holding Tyg we, he, we were upstairs so she said have him on the bed let Connor just see him have a little present like we, he brought him Tyg brought on her tractor book and you know things like that that were just nice touches mm. um, and she was like no he's doing fine and she was kind of able to guide us through through it so that was lovely um, and I just yeah I just found like the aftercare was exceptional like if you nearly didn't even want to have a home birth just to get the aftercare you'd be, you might as well just book it <laughs> like, like oh my god the, like I just found the aftercare amazing so the breastfeeding was going grand but a few days in um, I remember suddenly being like in agony with it like really really like sore when he'd latch on and like had to had to squeeze Gordon's hand had, like would be crying like it was really really agony but every time there seemed to be an issue Angela seemed to text you know it just it was just crazier like I'd, I'd be like I need to contact Angela and she'd seem to text saying oh I'll pop out now in an hour and like only for her I really don't think I'd have continued on like I don't think mm-hmm. I'd have kept going with it like if I was just in the hospital and was back home at this stage you know, that kind of way. I think I wouldn't have, would have found it a lot more difficult. So she, like when I was in agony that time, she was like, we'll try nipple shields. And um, she just like got me the silver cups and she just kind of seemed to have a solution for everything. She was like an angel that would land and fix everything. And then, um, so then everything was fine after that. Like once, like by the time she had left us at two after two weeks, like I was flying with it, everything was going well and was loving it. Like found it, I just found it as well so convenient. I couldn't believe how much, quicker it was in the first time because I I was spending like I was doing not an awful lot of um comparison I was like god this is like with Connor this is happening you know I kind of kept doing that saying like you know Connor was taking me you know we'd have to feed him and then I'd have to express and it was taking so much longer whereas at least with this I could just lie on my side feed him he'd fall to sleep and I'd get way I was just getting way more sleep you know because it just wasn't taking near as long as the first time and I suppose you're just much more relaxed on the second baby like I was way more relaxed and it was so much more enjoyable and still is because I'm not as panicked like even now he started uh, starting on solids and stuff it's just so much more enjoyable when you're not panicking about absolutely everything you know um and are you still breastfeeding now no I stopped about I think it was about three months yeah we rested yeah breastfed till about three months and I had 
I'd never really kind of a date in mindset, but and we were flying along with it. And it was great because it was not like there was nowhere to go because everything was closed. So yeah. it's not like you'd worry about, you know, if I was comfortable doing it in public. Now, I was fine doing it around my family and everything or if people would call. But there wasn't people, Manny, you know, people calling because um, of the restrictions. And then it was starting to get kind of to the stage where I was getting out and about a good bit. And Connor would want to go over to my mom and dad's house and I'd be panicking about being back for a tyke to feed him. And I was like, what if he needs to be fed? Or like, if I just wanted to go up to, down to the local GA club to go for a walk, I'd be thinking, oh God, like I was kind of on edge the whole time thinking, does he need to be fed? Does he need to be mm. fed? Um, and we, I said then, right, well, what I'd start doing was expressing, so Gordon give him a bottle if I wasn't there. But once I start doing that, doing once I started doing that, my supply totally started dropping off. Um, I just seemed to be, seemed to, he it was like as if he had tiger was nearly turned off it as well he was just seemed to be taking less and less so then i started int- introducing for kind of formula from then um now i actually got mastitis as well at i don't know how many weeks uh angela was definitely done with me anyway it was maybe four or six weeks but like she was great i could just just text her and she sent me on a load of resources and went to the jeep like i think i caught it early i was really was really looking out for the signs um because again a friend called ruth had 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 it and so she had I remember her telling me about it so I was like it is great when you know that stuff and you know straight away because then I went to the GP straight away and got the antibiotics and it cleared up before it got too bad you know um so but that was the only kind of I'd only got it once that was the only kind of we'll say bad thing that had happened um and then yeah then I was once we'd kind of got to three months I was happy enough then to switch to formula um switch to formula and it just it took a good bit of getting used to that if we'd say like go to do the shopping I'd have to like make sure he was fed had a bottle in advance because obviously now I couldn't just feed him if we got yeah. to Mullingar myself you know so it was a good bit of preparation a good bit of adjustment in that sense um but I'd I'd do I'd I'd do it again especially with the support that you got that I got from Angela like it was great like I I definitely think it must be hard when when women don't get that kind of support because oh, you just would yeah. feel like you're totally on your own and you've like I know there's and I went to the um let meetings and all those kind of things but and they're brilliant but just if you it's great to have someone on the other end of the phone to like contact straight away if you're like if you're in agony and you don't know what to do you know thank you for sharing thanks so so much that was so nice I hope you enjoyed this week's episode if you'd like to share your story you're more than welcome to you can get in touch via instagram at ireland's birth stories or you can reach out over the website irelandsbirthstories.ie I look forward to bringing you another episode Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com.